Jesus' name. Amen and so Amen. be. Amen. You all can be seated out there today. We're going to get right into this. We're going to finish up Facing Me from last week, and then we'll introduce Facing You. This entire month, we're focusing on relationships with building blocks, and my wife and I, we're doing Sunday mornings, and the Martins are doing Wednesday night. And if you haven't made it out on Wednesday night, yes, you are it's a missing tremendous it. blessing. You're really missing out, okay? Definitely want to encourage the single people to come on out, males and females. It's really a real blessing for really whatever category or season or stage of life uh, that you are in. And so now, we're continuing again from Facing Me, points three through five. We covered one and two on last week. So we're not going to go back and look at those. We encourage you to go to the YouVersion Bible app or the Linked Up Church app. You can also find last week's message there to go back. But then all the notes for today are right in those two locations so that you can follow along properly. I want to read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, from the Amplified Classic as a foundation text. It says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person and that's a good practice for all of us to have believe the best until you have evidence that they've done something different don't follow speculation gossip or rumors need a better amen, amen than that all right amen. so important right believe the best until there's evidence that proves that there's something different don't just run on speculation it hopes and faith and, and, it, and our, its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8a from the Amplified Classic says, "Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end." And so this is real practical to me. If we always take love's route, I mean, or the end result will always be victory. Right, and love's route is not always staying in a situation that's not healthy for you. Sometimes love's route is leaving, but the end result is you still have a so social and more res moral responsibility to love other people. And the end result for you when you choose to do what's right because it's right is that you will always end up in victory. It says here, knowing what meant the most in God's love towards us should invite us to love him more and more. So in other words, when we realize how much God has loved us, it should invite us to love him more. We should respond to his love for us in a great love towards him. So we first have to get a revelation of how much he loves us before we can in turn love him. And then believe it or not, before we start loving other people, I want you to take the love that he has for you, the love that you return back to him, and then learn how to love yourself that way first. That's right. So That's many right. people are trying to love other people, and they don't love themselves. That's right. I need a better amen in that. And always look at it this way. You can never give people what you don't have. Hallelujah. All right. And so understanding how God defines love is understood. We've been talking about that all month. Understanding your love language is essential to how you love others and how you receive love from others. Now, last week we spoke about acts of service, which was number one, and then words of affirmation. And now we'll continue today. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 55. Psalms 55. The third love language that we'll talk about is quality time. 
quality time. We know number one was acts of service. Number two was words of affirmation. Number three is quality time. Quality time. That's my love language. Yeah. People think it's touch because I hug everybody. No, I hug everybody because I had to get over and be delivered. I was a germaphobe growing up. I wouldn't touch anybody. I wouldn't let anybody touch me. And so I had to get over that. And, that, and love became contagious. But in quality time, Psalms 55, verses 13 through 14 in the Passion Translation, it says it's David right here talking. He's writing in his, uh, as if he's uh, reminiscing and remembering. And he says, but it was you, my intimate friend, one like a brother to me. It was you my advisor, the companion I walked with and worked with. We once had sweet fellowship with each other. We worshiped in unity as one, celebrating together with God's people. David writes of his adoptive family who has now become his enemy, Saul, the king, the one who called him out from his father's, from his father's house and had him come and serve in his house, the king's house. And this man became his mentor. This man became like a father figure to him. And he's reminiscing because now Saul is hunting David. And David obviously's heart is hurting because what was developed in, the, in their relationship came by way of quality time. So in the notes here, uh, point A is that he's depressed and anxious, especially because of the betrayal of a real friendship that was established obviously by way of this quality time. You know, when you enjoy, you know, if you're that person that enjoys spending time, is you enjoy activity. If you're that wife that says, he never does anything with me. We don't go on vacation. We don't go on date nights. Perhaps you, you require quality time. My husband invested this whole weekend and just made sure that I had plenty of quality time. So I, my, my deposit, my bank is full right now. And my bank is full, too. I'll talk about that later. Quit, 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 quit called return on it. Listen, listen. B, business all out in the street. It involves doing things with others. You know, so I am one of those. I have dear, dear friends. I do. I have people that I consider friends. And, and because it, to me, it took so much work to develop friendships because in my, relation, in my relationship language is quality time. I, I, I felt like I didn't want to or didn't feel like investing time to develop these new relationships. And so, but I challenged myself in the past few years and, and I've encountered three people that I would say, okay, these, these are people that I don't require a lot of quality time. Let me make that clear. And maybe you don't, but what's essential in your space for friendships and relationships and intimacy is some time together. And so I opened my heart to do that, and I, I, I've encountered three people. And I'm like, you know what? I consider them a friend. I can trust them. You know, one of them, I got on the scale and sent her a picture of the scale, and, and I wouldn't even, in 22 years of marriage, my husband couldn't see me on the scale. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now he's over my shoulders every day. But doing things with others, sharing that space and that time. See, not necessarily an extroverted person, but loves by way of quality time and meaningful exchange. And D, it falls in two categories. Those actually should probably be one point because quality time doesn't always mean going out. Some people require quality time, which is, which is me, of just having meaningful conversations or just having meaningful conversations. And it, it doesn't mean that y'all go out and have a girls' night out or have a date night every three days. No, it could just mean that you have good, meaningful quality, uh, conversations. Me, my best friend, I might talk to her three hours twice a year. 
<laughs> That's for That's real. We'll be on the phone. I have one friend. We'll, my, my daughter knows when you on the phone with me, Mom, I just need to go somewhere for the next three hours because I know I'm not going to see you no more. <laughs> we'll talk, and then I won't talk to her again for another three or four months. And I'm good. Yeah. So in those, two in those two qualifications of quality time, it could be physical activity together, and it could be meaningful conversation, or it could be an exchange of both. Now, in that person that requires and that uh, loves by way of quality time, it's easy sometimes to provoke suspicion when routines are changed. Especially when you're in an intimate relationship, when you're in a romantic relationship. When quality time is missing, it's easy for them to go, if they're not spending time with me, who are they spending time with? That's so good. Because it's easy for us to default to who we are in our love language. And so it just might mean that they're just, you know, working or whatever the case may be, or just, they probably just, I don't know, have something else that they do. They might not have the love language of quality time. Fortunately, his number two love language is quality time, so, you know, we're good. We want quality time by ourselves because it goes both ways. It's quality time with God. I don't share my prayer time with my husband. That's right. I'm selfish with my God. That's right. It's just, now we come together when it's time to pray as a family and things like that, but we don't have that daily couple's devotion time. No, I need my quality time with my father. Then I have my quality time with him, and then I have my quality time with my, my kids, quality time with friends. So in a person that requires that, it's easy for them if they're not cognizant, they're not sensitive, and they're not matured in love, it's easy for them to default to suspicion when quality time is not spent with them by their significant other. Yep. So now single people, how many of y'all are single? Raise your hand if you're single or unmarried is a better way to say that. Unmarried, right? So, so I want you to understand something. If I know that about her and I don't schedule times, if I know that about her, she's communicated that, she's told me that, and I don't schedule times for us to have quality time together, she is not going to believe I love her the way she deserves to be loved. Is everybody clear on that? So remember, love is about giving. Love is an action word. And so if you're going to be a giver in your relationship, you have to give people the love that they receive the way they receive it, okay? So now we're going to talk about number four, which is physical touch, which I like, right? So if you give the quality time, it should lead to a little physical touch. Somebody say physical touch. Uh-huh. Say physical touch. Uh-huh. One more time. Physical touch. Uh-huh. Go with me to Song of Solomon. I feel like preaching a little bit this morning. Right, Because if you put the quality time in, it should lead to some physical touch. But believe it or not, physical touch doesn't mean the same for both people. A lot of times for men, we think it leads to something because we're physical and we're visual. You touch us, it's like, oh, boy. And she may not be nowhere near thinking like that because physical touch for her can be emotional. Right, And it's just the security from the touch that she's being blessed by. So let's talk about this. Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. The New King James Version will go up on the screen. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation just to save us time this morning. Verses 10 and 11. 
reading this, boy, I said, my God, this is in the Bible. It says, how satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. How I many of y'all know your wife, your spouse should be satisfying to you? Right, a couple of things I wanted to insert here. Wife. Wife, yeah. A couple of husband. things I wanted to insert here for husbands and wives. Spouse. Yep. This Married. Is, yeah, this is so important, right? And I don't want this, you balance this for me. I don't want this to come out the wrong way, so please don't hear it that way. But the two of you all were attracted to each other for a reason. Physically. The goal should be to stay as close to who you were when you married throughout the entire marriage. Physically. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens right there. I'm going to just move on past that. I don't know if I can win that one today. But believe it or not, we cut covenant with each other, right, that we would stay as close because this is what I loved when I saw her. This is what I married. And so it was important to me. So believe it or not, every time she takes care of herself, she's ministering to me. Every time she goes to the gym, every time she's eating right, in the morning when she's getting on that scale, I know she's doing it for her, but I'm actually seeing it like she cares about this marriage. I just leave it alone, okay? Cause so let me balance that a little bit. Just Men little bit. are visual. That's just by default. God, when he made woman and presented him to her, to her to him, he said, whoa, yeah, I'm going to call you woman. <laughs> men are visual, so therefore men will, it's important for a man, very important for a man to be physically attracted to her, whatever that physical attraction may be. We've seen situations, that, I'm getting some feedback here, uh, from monitors. the hallway or somewhere. Both monitors. Yeah, from both monitors. But we have seen situations, and I'm saying this for both sets of genders of people. We have seen situations where she wore him down with her kindness, with her sweetness, with her uh, generosity, and with her uh, with 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 giving her her love. But he was kind of iffy about how attracted he was to her. And he felt obligated to respond to her and to reciprocate to her. And we've seen people get married on the auspice of that. And then we've seen them split up because he eventually found somebody else more attractive and found somebody that was, is that godly? No. Is that right? By no means. But again, staying true to who you are in your dating process is important because it has lasting consequences. And who you are intrinsically will not change. If you prefer them, you know, short, stout, and brown skin with short hair, that's fine. That's, oh, she's so cute. If you prefer him tall, dark, and handsome, that's fine too. If you, 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 you prefer him, whatever way you prefer him, but it's important for a man. Now, for a woman, what's our chiefest necessity in relationships? Security. Security. So we'll find something we like about them. That's that situation. Won't where we? Know. Won't we? Listen, y'all seen some, you all saw some basketball players that's like, how did he get hurt? She was looking for that security, right? We'll find, oh, he just got beautiful brown eyes. Okay. 
and, and we'll find something that's attractive to, them because, to, to us because we are looking for security. So if they're offering emotional security, financial security, uh, 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 mental security, physical security, if they're providing that, we'll bypass him being so fine. And we'll celebrate whatever it is that he had. We might job, even. His job. He, we'll celebrate his job or whatever the case may be. So I just wanted to balance that. I took a little bit too long, but go ahead. Way uh, too long. Okay. That's my point. Right okay, there. my fault. Go ahead. Right. So I got to get through this quick now. How fair is your love, Song of Solomon? My sister, my spouse, how much better than wine is your love? And the scent of your perfumes than all spices. Mm. Let me go back over to the Passion Translation. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet perfume praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey. My, what kind of, is this the Bible? <laughs> For I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. And so we, yes, woo! <laughs> and so physical touch, right? All of those things are important to get a male, listen to me very carefully, to want to touch. He first has to be attracted before he touches, in most cases. Let me balance all of this. Beyond, beyond a man's need or desire for sex, right, there are those that require physical touch. So believe it or not, a lot of males, physical touch is their love language, but there are not, it doesn't necessarily mean that they want sex. But it is their love language, and you'll see that with a lot of guys. Sex for a man is a physical issue. Sex for a woman is an emotional issue which is why sometimes that'll get out of balance, right? All she wants is to hug and cuddle, but because she came to hug and cuddle, his mind automatically went, right, that it's, it's on or, or whatever it, it translated to for him because his love language is physical touch. And so we have to balance that and be sensitive to each other. So a lot of times what goes wrong in that scenario is that he hasn't said anything to her all day long. He hasn't sent any text messages, called to check to see how you're doing. You know, I'm thinking about you. He didn't do anything to set up the night. But yet he came home that evening touching. And her attitude is, you haven't called me all day long. You haven't said nothing to me. No text messages. I haven't heard from you. You're just going to show up in the room and just like it's automatic, right? And we can see how that can get out of balance. So the way to get that in balance is to set that up all day long that I'm thinking about you, looking forward to being with you tonight. Whatever you all's pet names are for each other, begin to send that stuff, which sends signals that, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to touching you tonight. I can tell you from personal experience that if I don't do all of that stuff on the front end, all I will see at night is her back. <laughs> Ladies, you know what I'm talking about, where it's just bowled over. And she then turned over and facing the wall on the other side. This person may not always be sensitive to personal space. See, so this is the person that requires that. You ever had somebody just come talk to you that close? I mean, just, 
or, or just to talk to you, they've got to touch a part of your body, right? We all know people like that, right? So this person uh, may not always be sensitive to personal space. So, so a lot of times, again, I can think about the last time I was in the gym or one of the times I was in the gym, obviously this guy's love language was physical touch. And I'm sitting in the gym and I just got out the shower. All I have on is a towel and he wants to talk. Number one, to throw the flag, that's already a violation. <laughs> Nothing to talk about right now in this moment. But he sat down on the bench and his leg touched mine. How I many of y'all know now I gotta throw another flag? My elbow instantly went up, pushed him down. Hey man, back up, man. There's no need for you to talk to me that close. I mean, today you got to make that stuff clear. I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. I said, today it must be made clear. Slide your butt down, man. There's nobody else on this bench. Scoot down. Come to find out, though, and I'm embarrassed to tell you this, the guy was introducing himself because he had been watching me around the gym and wanted to take me to lunch to ask me some questions about God. After I didn't put my elbow in his chest, pushed him down the highway. I mean, I know I later apologized to him, and I explained to him, because we're different cultures. I explained to him that my culture is a violation in the locker room when all you have is a towel on. We don't talk during that time nothing for us to talk about. It's a, it's a worse violation to sit close to me and a part of your body touches mine. I just want to make sure we clear so in the future. So a person whose love language is physical touch would have an especially hard time if infidelity occurred because the vantage point is that touching is an act of love. Right? And a person who has this as their love language could take it even further than that, depending on how the person that they're interested in conducts themselves around the opposite sex. Right? And so if they see that person touching, holding hands, giving hugs, doing certain things, they can take that way out of context and read that as something that it might not be because of the differences in the love languages. Okay? Number five, giving of gifts. This is the last one, the giving of gifts. Proverbs 19, verse 6. Proverbs 19, verse 6, it says, Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him who that, that giveth gifts. Proverbs 18, verse 16, in the King James says, A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. The giving of gifts is a love language and, and, and it's easy to be misinterpreted and misunderstood. A man, uh, so A, any, the, the giving of gifts means this is any exchange of thoughtfulness that's considered a gift. It doesn't necessarily mean that you go and buy a diamond necklace and give it to him on Valentine's Day and every other holiday or whatever the case may be. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going out and buying expensive and extravagant gifts. A gift should, could simply be a, a sweet note on the dashboard when they get in the car. A gift could be a hand, a, a picture, uh, a special picture that was dug up in, in the archives and you're sending it and just saying, hey, just thought of you and thinking of you. Saw this. So a gift could be something simple. It could be um, a, 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 a husband, 
bless his heart. I think this is his third love language. He, he, he used to bring me my favorite pie. I got a gift for you. <laughs> and he used to bring me this crazy, I love this pie. Don't y'all go get it, but it's this cherry pie. Ooh, Jesus. I, I've had to fast from it probably for eternity. But, um, and he would give it, bring it to me just to say I love you. And so it would be any exchange of thoughtfulness that's considered a gift. A midday text could be considered a gift. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the act of service could be considered a gift to somebody, setting out their clothes for them. Givers are easily taken advantage of because of their giving. No, Timothy says that in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves, selfish, vain. And so sometimes people will identify a, a giver that's innately a giver, and, and, and they can be easily taken advantage of. Why? Because in their language, in the giver's language, they think that if I care, I give. So if I don't give, that means I don't care. Well, that is so far from the truth. Right. That is so far from the truth. Givers of gifts can also be enablers. They can be enablers, especially when it comes to their children. And so in, in the giving of gifts, you have to be careful to monitor and to have self-control in, 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 the, in the degree of your giving and your attitude in your love language. This love language is often because uh, often confused because on the uh, other side of that, people can think that, oh, you think you can buy me. You think you can buy me. And so, it, you know, it, but it's actually their sincere expression of care. Yeah. And so they have to be careful, you know, the person that's, that's prone to the giving of gifts, they love gifts, they have to be careful to not misinterpret that and not allow other people to misinterpret it. So you have to really monitor yourself and pace yourself. You know, if he sends flowers, he buys gifts, especially extravagant gifts, surprises her with a note, brings home a pie like my husband did. He may be just, she may be just expressing that, I care for you. Yeah. Especially even in friendship situations. I have a friend, a childhood friend, and she is a giver to no end. She'd just be out and see a pair of jeans that I like and just get me a pair of jeans. Ask her mama when I, we were in high school, Patty likes these jeans. Could you buy Patty these jeans? And they buy me these jeans. <laughs> Girl, what, what the hell is this? For no reason. And so, but she was a giver, and that's how she uh, receives and, get and shares her love. So if the other person is not gift-oriented, then the interpretation of the act of giving could be misunderstood and even abused. So you have to be very intentional about your motivations and communicating where you are and why you do what you do. And if I could paint a very quick picture of that, think about that for a moment, because, you know, guys... There could be a lot of reasons why we give gifts, right? And so in a marriage environment or a marriage circle, right, it could be everything she described, but it also could be, you know, the setup. <laughs> I want to be very careful how I say this. Now, now, watch where I'm going with this. A guy will feel unappreciated if he gives a gift and he doesn't get the response he's looking for. Fellas, don't leave me out here by myself. You're sitting there all scared, man. Just say, <laughs> let me hear a male amen in here if you understand what I'm saying. And so watch this. If he doesn't get the response that he believes, he's, he believes, not she believes, 
he believes he's looking for from that gift, it's a form of rejection to him. And a guy will shut down and stop buying gifts. So you have to understand, ladies, if that's his love language, reward him when he gives you gifts. For married people. For now, married if you're people. dating. But, but where I'm going with that, it doesn't always have to be sex. Yeah, okay, thank you. What I'm saying, it's just the overwhelming how much you appreciate all that he does for you. <gasps> thank you. Oh, my gosh, thank you. You are so sweet. Oh, my gosh, let me pay for dinner. It's as simple as that sometimes. But sometimes, it's a little more than that. <laughs> oh, okay, now we in the building now. <laughs> Let me try again. I got all these scared men in here. Sometimes, it's a little more than that. That's still, I don't like that at all. A lot of men in here. Sometimes, it's a little more <laughs> than that. That's a little better. Good. So now, in concluding, facing me, Knowing and understanding your love language and how you receive love and how you perceive love is very important. Right. All five love languages should be in circulation in healthy, love, uh, in healthy relationships. Right. For a long time, I couldn't figure out my love language because he covers pretty much all the bases. He's really good at it. He covers all the bases. So I, I'm like, what is my love language? And it just really took me some time to really concentrate. I took the assessment and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, the assessment said I love all of them. I do. <laughs> you got to be somebody special to deal with me. But, um, but yeah, so he covers all of us. So I didn't know. So, but knowing how you perceive and receive love and how you give love is important. And it also allows for fairness in your relationships. Oftentimes, people express love and care based off of their love language, and it's not, when it's not reciprocated, then they're frustrated, and resentment and even anger brews over. When we love, we should learn to love or relate to others based off of their love language and not ours. That's what mature love is, being sensitive to who they are. Right. Even if we express love in our love language, we have to be okay with how they express love and be okay with understanding their expressions of love, especially when you spend time with these people. And this is essentially so for our children. When they're not responding to your provision, your hugs, your spending time, those vacations that you spend a lot of money on, it may be because you're not loving them according to their love language, which could be just simply words of affirmation. Yeah. With children, there comes a season, though, with children, because we, we, we were all teenagers, there comes a season where they're looking for that love language in other relationships. And we have to be okay not to conjure that up as rejection from them towards their family members, their friends, their, their, their loved ones and, and parents. That's good. It's not necessarily mean that they're not responding to uh, your, the, the, their, their love language, but that they're experiencing this love language outside of the home. And what you want to be is that coach that is able to teach them and train them along the way, not through constant lectures and, and, and life lessons, but to coach them and encourage them along the way. Love, the, the, uh, the language, okay, so the language itself matures with different, differing experiences. So when we have different experiences, when we, we understand love languages and we have these relationships at the workplace, relationships in the neighborhood, our neighbors, relationships at the gym, relationships at church, relationships in our connect groups, relationships in our marriage and our children, our other family members, the, difference, the different ranges of relationships help us to mature in our love walk. Right. 
you don't grow unless there is, you don't get stronger unless there's some kind of resistance. That's right. And your flesh is going to want to resist dealing with some folks. That's right. That's right. But how many of you know that's immaturity? That's right. We all appreciate and like I said, require a little bit of them all, but knowing your primaries and your secondaries will help you be a more healthy and more mature partner in any kind of relationship. Yeah, and so I just want to say this to, to people that are unmarried, right? This is why I believe a lot of dating situations don't make it to the next level. And I'll explain to you why. Because the person is being selfish. They're only thinking about what they need and what they want. They haven't taken time to figure out who the other person is. And then invest in the friendship for what the other person is. And the other person hasn't taken the time to figure out who they are. See, dating is collecting data. See, a lot of times we get physical too fast. I mean, no, you can't collect data when you're hot. Man, this is a tough 8.30 group this morning. But I mean, no, you don't even care about the data when you're on fire. It's not until after the fire cools off that we realize we don't have nothing in common. We don't know each other. We don't get along. But you look good. I look good. And that part of this relationship is good. Right? And so I, listen to me. I believe this with all of my heart. This is why a lot of times it doesn't get to where it needs to get to because they have not grown in their love walk. They are both selfish individuals. They only care about what they care about. And if my needs aren't being met, you are not the one. Not understanding that a relationship is not about just you. There is another person in this relationship. And if you're not going to invest in them the way they receive love, the relationship is not going anywhere. That's right. Everybody clear on that? So, so now listen. So in the beginning of a dating relationship, all of these, all five of these love languages are in play. You know why? Because we're trying to impress each other. So we bring our best to the table, right? Single people, unmarried people, is that right? We bring our best to the table at the beginning, right? Because of the excitement of a new relationship and wanting to make a, a great impression, uh, it, it, we, we practice this. We think about what we want to do, right? Then once that newness and that euphoria wears off, how I many of we get back to who we really are? Unmarried people, how many of y'all have seen that over time? They didn't start out that way. Now, who is this? <laughs> Raise your hand if you understand what I'm talking about. Just be honest with me for a moment, right? We've all been there. We've all been there, right? So that, that wears off, and then we realize, okay, this is going to require some work for us to go to the next level. Listen very carefully to this, right? Once it wears away, you're left with the still present need of discovering your true and real love language. And you're also left with the discovery of knowing theirs. And if you don't figure that out, how many know that relationship cannot go to its next level? So important to understand that all unmarried people. So that's really all I want to say about but that. But when that's it comes down to, that's good, babe. And when it comes down to agapeo, the base, the foundation, before we get into friendships, deep friendships, before we get into lovers, before we get into all these other uh, types of love, we have to understand and know agapeo. Love, the, 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 the God kind of love, the, the social and moral love that says, I care enough about you to not want to see you fall or go to hell. Amen. Okay? And I don't care who they are in your life. He says to love your enemies. Right. So we, ha we owe that to God. 
even if we do feel like we don't owe that to them. Yeah. Because l God loved us in spite of ourselves. Right. While we were yet sinners, he still died for us. That's right. So in a simple uh, word, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, uh, no, let me, Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 48 in the message. I love the way it says it. And you know what? The Bible sums it up so well. So I'm just going to read to close this part out to you straight from the uh, word of God. Matthew 5, 48 in the message says, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 13 in the Passion Translation. Again, 1 Peter 8, 3, 8 through 13. It says this. Now this is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards believers. Let humility describe who you are as dearly loved ones, uh, as you dearly love one another. Nine, never retaliate when, it's when someone treats you wrongly nor insults you, those who insult you. But instead, respond by speaking a blessing over them because a blessing is what God promised to give you. For the scripture tells us, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words, and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Eager, eagerly pursue peace in every relationship, making it your prize. For the eyes of the Lord Yahweh rest upon the godly, and his heart responds to their prayers. But he turns his back on those who practice evil. Why would anyone harm you if you're passionate and devoted to pleasing God? I love the way the King James says it. This is one of my foundational scriptures. This is one of my favorite. He says, for the eyes of the Lord, the ears of the Lord are open to their prayers, and his eyes, are, uh, his eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and is open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He sums it up in verse 13. He says, who is he that can harm you if you just do what I say? That's so good, right? And so believe it or not, you're trusting God in your relationships. So, so I want you to begin to see things this way. If they're doing something wrong, that's who they are. You don't have to receive it as something against you. That's who they are. So if you just maintain who you are, what they're doing shouldn't take you up or down. Does everybody understand that? A lot of times we get all out of whack because we personalize what other people do to us. But remember, what they're doing is a reflection of who they are, not who you are. Right. Don't take it personal. Stay true to who you are and just walk in love, and how many know God's going to defend your cause? Right? Now, let's conclude there. Now let's introduce, we're just going to introduce this today, facing you, right? So we've talked about facing me, right? i got to know who I am. Now let's talk about facing you, and we'll just introduce this this morning, then we'll finish it up on next week. We typically start out good, right, in our early encounters with new people, but after being around them for a little while, we start discovering the likes and the dislikes we develop. Now we have to understand love's sneaky culprits, and we're going to do a great job talking about this. It's easy to fall into these traps because of the internal condition of our hearts when we haven't mastered understanding love. Loving God and then loving ourselves, all right? So love's top three antagonists. Number one, Oh, let's read it first. Go with me to James chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 16 out of the King James Bible. James 3, 14 through 16 says, and the context here is about 
wisdom that comes from above and then earthly wisdom. It says, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, notice your heart. You should underline that. I don't even know if people still carry Bibles. Highlight it on your whatever it is that you're using or underline it, right? Whatever you need to do. Because a lot of times we're, we're not responding to who other people are. We're responding to who we are. Right? And your response is what's really, it demonstrates the condition of your heart in that scenario. Listen very carefully. Watch this. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Mm. That's deep there. Confusion in every evil work. Envy, by definition, is jealousy, social media. I mean, a lot of times we get on social media. That's not, the, that's not their real life. I mean, That's we, the life they want you to see. Oftentimes, we spend time comparing ourselves to somebody else's highlight reel. And that might be just a snapshot of their lives, but you don't know what it looked like leading up to that post. And you don't know what it looks like post that post. It could be staged. It could be in front of a rented car. It could be a whole lot of stuff. That's, don't get caught up in that, right? It'll produce low self-esteem, comparison, sometimes even bullying feeds or is a result of envy, right? So envy, jealousy. So now, this can be subtle. It could be mild. It could be overt. It could be loud. But its methods are often, often quiet and intentional. Now, I want to use an example of us. Number two is strife, contention, faction. When you don't agree with me, right, that's strife. Literal disagreement, right, discontentment, selfishness. In a relationship, folks, my job is not to get her to think like me. Mm. Her job is not, me to, not to get me to think like her, mm. right? So we don't have to agree. Our job is to figure out how to get our opposing viewpoints on the same page so that we can still get to where we're trying to go. So we're not trying to think the same, we're just trying to think alike. Together. Together, together. thank you, together, together. All right? So I wanna use this, we're talking about strife and we're talking about envy. So I just wanna share this very quickly from our own personal life. You all watch my wife around here. She's a toucher, she's a hugger, right? She hugs men, she hugs women, she hugs, right? She likes pet names for just everybody. She calls men sugar, sweetie, honey, all kind of stuff. So when we first got married, and women, and women. So how many know when we first got married as a man, I, I didn't like that. But how many know now that's my issue. But because it's my issue, I have to communicate to her. And so my communication was, hey babe, I don't know if you should should keep calling guys honey and sweetie and sugar, and giving guys two-handed hugs. Somebody's gonna read you the wrong way one of these days and take that out of context, and then you're gonna put me in a situation. This is my exact communication to her, right? But now watch this. If I'm secure within myself, all I need to do is say that one time. So now I'm not trying to change her. After 22 years later, she still does the same thing. <laughs> Don't hear that the wrong way, but nothing has ever been brought to me. Right? And if it's ever brought to me, that's going to be her issue to address. But I mean, it's going to create a situation in me now where now that's not negotiable anymore. Now I'm going to figure out where our love is because I'm getting ready to tell you not to do that anymore. 
right? But because she's been able to manage that and nothing's never been brought to me, if I'm secure within myself, then I can let her be who she is in this marriage. I just wanted to share that. That's good. That's really good. He, he asked me if it was okay for him to share that. I was like, uh, I'm just going to have to trust the Holy Spirit that you're going to share it the right way. Amen. <laughs> How did the Holy Spirit help yeah, you? The Holy Spirit helped you, babe. You did a good job. Yeah, now, just don't bring no situations to me, though. <laughs> then you no, I mean, I just out. didn't disregard. Understand this. I didn't disregard. I'm sorry. I did not disregard what he said. So, you know, I have a science in the way I hug people, whether it's man or woman. But, see, I married a, when we got married, I married a youth pastor. And at the time, he was a youth pastor on the east side of Detroit. I'm about to cry. And so these kids didn't have parents. They didn't have support systems. We would go to their games, and we're the only ones there for them. We would go to their award ceremonies, and they were the only ones there. We would be the only ones there for them. So in this broken youth department, where the department itself was whole, but if they didn't get love from us youth leaders, they didn't get anything. So I married into having to hug, touch, love, and encourage and admonish and affirm three, four, five hundred kids every week. So it became more cemented in who I was. And it wasn't just me. It was other people that was in the same department. Then when we came here, it was almost the same thing. So it wasn't that I was just saying, oh, you got to get over yourself. No, it had become more cemented because of a need that I was responding to. And we're just going to stop right here. That's excellent today. Out of respect for that clock, we're just going to stop right here. Time is our friend. Did you all get anything out of this today? All right, so now watch this. I'm obligated to communicate that to her because that's a problem for me. I'm obligated to do that, right? And once you become safe in a relationship, you should be able to talk about everything. I need a better amen than that. Should be able to talk about everything, right? But at the same time, have enough relationship to trust that if she continues, she's going to always honor me in what she does. Right. right? And so I, I just wanted to say that probably after 22 years, there's never been a situation. I don't know how guys may be reading that, what they may be thinking. What I'm telling you is I've never, ever been, a situation's never been brought to me about it never that. Never will. And, never, and, and that's what I know of a surety. And so I just wanted to make sure that you all understand, even when there's conflict, communicate about it. Right? But if you're secure within yourself and your love walk is developed, then you won't let envy and jealousy and strife drive you. See, because if you're fighting all the time and arguing all the time and at it all the time, something's going on in your heart. Uh, come on, church. Come on. Don't leave me out here by myself. And a lot of times until you address what's in your heart, it's really nothing the other person can do to please you because of the condition of your heart. You're always going to create something because it's in your heart, not theirs. God is good, isn't he? Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. And let's just lift our hands to the Father today, and let's just all thank God for what we heard today. Just right there, I don't know where, where you're at in life. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't even know what you're going through. But I know we all can grow in our relationships, and I know that we can all grow in our love walks. So let's just lift our hands to the Father, and I just want you to begin to talk to him out of your own heart. 
Maybe about something he revealed to you today. Maybe an area you know you need to grow on. Maybe it's your heart you need to work on. Maybe everyone is not as bad as you present them to be. Maybe something is going on within you. So whatever the case is today, let's just love on our Father for a moment. Father, we just love you today. Continue to reveal yourself in us and through us. Father, help us to not look at what's wrong with everybody else, but look at what's going on within us. Father, help us to really respond to your love and realize how much it is that you love us. Father, help us to love you back the way that you love us. And then help us to extend that love to other people, Father, because we can't give them what we don't have. And so, Father, as we're building these blocks in relationships, Father, I pray that this word is falling on good ground and it's producing a harvest, some 30, some 60, but some 100-fold, Father, because of the condition of their hearts as they hear. I just pray that every person today will think more about how they need to grow and less about how everyone else needs to grow. And in their own personal growth and development, Father, it'll cause their lives to be so much better. We thank you and we give you the glory for all of this. In Jesus' name today. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Just look up here.